We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, hey, hey. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> it's the Points in the Paint podcast. Welcome, everybody. Ben Wittenstein. Zach Badger House in the house, Benny Boy. We are in the middle of the NBA Finals, maybe actually kind of nearing the end of the NBA Finals as of this recording, because we are having game six tonight as this recording is released on Tuesday morning, Zach. We may have an NBA Finals winner tonight. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, my boy. He really got it done on the road. I'm so it's, I'm so surprised. I, I, I was lost for words being like, <laughs> because we both thought the outcome would be a little different for Game 5. We both did. We were on the same page for Game 5, and we were wrong. We were definitely wrong. <laughs> we were, and let's get into that for a second. But before any of that, we just want to say with the offseason coming up, with the NBA draft coming up, we're still going to be putting out episodes, and we want to hear from people. We want to hear from our listeners. We want to hear from guests. So we have a whole slate. We have big plans for the offseason. We're not going to yes. go anywhere. We're going to have fun episodes coming out. Um, I believe Jeff Goodman, we're going to try to talk to him about the draft, either pre, pre-draft or post-draft, whichever it is, whatever he's available for. We're going to have guests on over the offseason. So stay with us throughout the uh, the dead months of the NBA season. The free offseason, agency, yes, it's, yes. You know, the offseason can be even more fun than the season sometimes. Free agency and trade deadline and everything going on. So we're excited for that. So hit that subscribe button for our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get it. Leave a comment. We're going to be setting up an email address. I know that down the road. We can get emails from our listeners from the uh, points painters as we like to call them so we're, we're all excited for the offseason we hope you join us um, we're excited to hear from you as well but zach as you said game five the bucks win 123 119 we were dead wrong i know i was dead wrong i said the Suns were gonna the Suns were gonna win at this point was my prediction uh what was it at least two weeks ago at this point i said Suns in five i believe you said bucks in seven and it's looking more and more like it might be closer to Bucks in seven. It might be Bucks in six. But all we know is that game six is happening tonight. The Bucks are going to be back home in front of their home crowd where we know they play well. Coming off three straight wins. Uh, it's going to be very difficult for the Suns to win a championship this year at this point. Oh, my goodness. See, when you say all that, I just get excited for my boy, Yanni. Yannis yeah. Atatakupo, the Greek freak. Man, I get so excited. You just, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready now. Bring the game. I'm ready for tip-off at this point when you break it down <laughs> like that. Because, listen, game six. It, it, and you know what's funny, Ben? 
Milwaukee has this hashtag right now. They're fans, Bucks and Six. So they've been, yeah, they've had already. this hashtag, you know, before the NBA Finals even started. And so for them to be at this point where they can really win it in six games, and myself has said Bucks and Seven, they can really win it in six at home. And remember, that's what Dave King said he wanted for Phoenix. You know, he wanted Phoenix to be at home if they were to take care of business with five games, and if not, maybe six for Phoenix. They need seven games now to Phoenix Suns after losing game five. And, you know, I I thought Butler, I mean, not Butler, Booker showed up, right? I thought he showed up. Yeah, he dropped 40. So I thought he showed up. Chris had his double-double, which we predicted. We predicted he would at least get a double-double, 20 and 10. And we also said DeAndre Aiden would get a double-double. And he had, like, 20 and 10 as well. So, you know, Phoenix offense was kind of there. Starting five, I know all had double digits, but I don't know how they really lose this game. They were up as many as 16 points. Yeah, at the end of the first, it was 37-21. They were up 16, and it looked like the Suns were going to cruise to a home victory, go up 3-2 in the series. And then that second quarter happened, and the Bucks outscored them 43-24, to which was incredible. And there was just no defense being played by either team. And as someone who took the under in this game, I, I can what attest. I, yes. I know. I should have listened. <laughs> I should have listened to your over. I should have listened to Bucks in seven. This is just not a good look for me at this point in terms of what I'm listening to and what I'm not listening to. you. But the, the, the over hit easily. And you could see that the defense by by either team really wasn't being played. But the Suns, again, what happened with them in this game is what happened with them a lot in the series and a lot in their season is that just in some points throughout games, they struggle to get a basket. And it's almost coming down to analytics, too, where you look at the Bucks, They were shooting 50 percent from three, 50 percent mm-hmm. from three. They were hitting four. They hit 14 out of their 28 threes. And when you have someone like Devin Booker going off for 40 points that's great and all but a lot of it was two-point shots and a lot of it was mid-range and a lot of it was inside oh and man the Suns struggled to keep up <laughs> and i know mr mr anti-analytics over here you're not gonna like that and you're not gonna like that analysis but you look at where they got their scoring from and they got it from booker they got it from paul they got it from ayton and out of all of those guys they had five three-pointers. Out of out of all three of those players, five three-pointers were hit. Okay, so let me ask you this. Between Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and even Giannis, how many total threes were made amongst those three? They had six. But, <laughs> but a big, big old butt here, Zach. Okay. Pat Connaughton, four out of six. He had four threes. Mm. Four three-pointers. And I, I do think that the problem with what the Bucks were doing is it wasn't only that they were just shooting threes. And, and I mean, three-point differential was not very big. They they hit one more three-pointer than the Suns. Um, so it wasn't like that big of a deal. Uh-huh. But you look at the way that the Bucks <laughs> played and they were able to hit threes in transition. They were able to hit threes off sets, off half-court sets. And the Suns at some point, it looked like they weren't really trying to even – catch up and take the lead. They were just trying to stay within arm's distance and maybe try to make a run late. And they eventually made a bit of a run late, but it was too little too late for them at that point. The Bucks had the momentum. Um, Devin Booker, for whatever reason, he tried to drive into a triple team, into the mid-range, got the ball stolen from Drew Holiday, and the rest was history with the Giannis dunk, the uh, the Valley Oop, as they're calling it now. So I, I don't I don't really know where the Suns go from here. As you said, I mean, they got the numbers from the guys they needed. Chris Paul, 21 points, 40 from Booker, 20 from DeAndre Ayton. They got two guys in double-doubles. 
Um, every starter for the Suns scored in double digits. Yeah. So I don't really know how to diagnose this team when you have that much balance, when you have that much scoring, and when you have your star players playing relatively well and you still lose at home, that's an issue. It's kind of tough. But, you know, the uns- that's when it goes into the details of an unsung hero. And you mentioned him. He had four threes. Pat Connington's the unsung hero in game five, because if you look at it, as far as expectations go, you expect guys to perform well when they've been paid enough money to do so and have been called upon in terms of the workload. So Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton. We all expect those guys to produce on both ends of the floor, but particularly offensively, as we speak of right now. That took place in game five. Now, when you dive deeper into it, who showed up and who didn't as it relates to, you know, the court, the the pieces that we thought going into game five would have been the reasons why they would win the game. So we look at Mikael Bridges. I said he needed to be, you know, be productive. And I believe he was. Drew, uh, yeah. Jay Crowder, he was productive as well, too. Now, I thought campaign would have over nine and a half points and he only had six. So that's yeah. a fault right there. Cameron Payne, maybe his points didn't come at the right time. Or even Chris Paul, because I know Chris Paul had like 10 or 12 points in that fourth quarter and he didn't miss. But did those points come a little too late? It just all depends on how you want to look at it. Yeah, it's certainly possible. And I mean, people have been criticizing Chris Paul in these three past losses, which I think is understandable. He has, especially in game three and game four, he played a lot worse than he did in game five. In game five, the statistics... You know, he had a pretty good game, 21 and 11, double-double, 9 for 15 from the field. He hit all three of the three-pointers that he shot, which is a problem in game four was he wasn't hitting threes. And people will look at the time where, you know, he turned the ball over right at the end of the game, um, in game four, I believe. And he had trouble with turnovers at the end of game five, too. He had that bad pass into the corner that, you know, they had to reach for it, and then they threw it away. So he, he, there was there's definitely something a little wrong with Chris Paul in this whole series. He doesn't He's not looking like the 100% Chris Paul self that we saw in the Western Conference semifinals, Western Conference finals, everything like that. So he's looking a little different than what we're used to, but he's still playing pretty well. And I can't believe that you have to say campaign not scoring enough has been an issue for the Suns. (laughs) But it honestly is sadly like it's like a half truth at this point. He only scored six points. He didn't shoot or make any threes. And he needs to be able to play better for this team to have a shot at winning because he is so explosive off the bench. He's he's a big source of offense off the bench. If Booker's on the bench or Chris Paul's on the bench, who are they going to turn to for points from some of their bench players? And Campaign is the guy who they usually had turned to in the past. He only scored six, didn't take any threes. Cam Johnson, two for two for three, but he only scored six points. Um, I, I just, they're going to need more production from their bench. They got 12 bench points, or excuse me, they got 15 bench points in total, 15 points from their bench. The Milwaukee Bucks got 23, and that's, I mean, that's the game right there. The Bucks won by four, and if the bench is outscoring the Suns bench, that's about it. I mean, these the starting lineups are relatively even for the most part. I mean, it's, it's hard to pick a better starting lineup at this point, but if the bench has come to play, the Suns, the, the Bucks bench outplayed the Suns. It's just almost as simple as that. And it's so funny because it's like on the other side, you know, you never know what you're going to get from the Bucks bench. And it seems like at times, too, people get tired of seeing Jeff Teague out there. At, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that starts to become funny on the yeah. Bucks side. It's like, OK, 
he's been out here a little too long. We need to bring back Drew Holiday and get those minutes back going. Yep. And then, you know, on the other side, with Bob, in terms of like the front court, Bobby Portis extending his minutes has kind of led to Monty Williams looking kind of like, where do we go? Who do we call upon? Which leads to minutes from a guy like Torrey Craig, who's probably battling with a sore knee throughout these playoffs because he nearly tore his ACL in these finals. And so when you look, if you have all that going, the lights don't look too bright for the Phoenix Suns. And it looks like uh, their chapter may be closing as it relates to this season. So we have game six tonight, Zach. We have the Bucks back at home. They're in that three, two lead. They're back where they love to be in Milwaukee. The Deer District is going to be bopping. I know you want to be there. I would love to be there. It'd be great. We could just do a live show in the middle of everybody and no one would be able to hear us, which is honestly for the better. But it's going to be hopping in Milwaukee. And this is, you know, they've been waiting so, so long for an NBA Finals win. And for them to win the finals at home, in six games after the saying went viral and everyone loved that saying against a, a team in the Suns who had the Suns in four motto just last <laughs> in the round against Denver. It would be incredible. It would be really cool to see the Bucks win this thing at home in front of their fans with the Deer District topping. It, Milwaukee would explode in a really good way. It's really going to explode in a really good way if the Bucks win. If the Bucks win tonight, it's so funny, man. Like the more I think about it, the more I get hyped up because it's like, <laughs> bro, Giannis can really win a championship tonight. Yeah. Like he's gonna cry. Like it's gonna be all worth it. He, bro, we probably weren't supposed to even witness Giannis in these finals. Bro, almost like broke his leg. Yeah. He literally hyperextended his knee. Like that looked as scary. That didn't look hopeful for you know, him to be 100% or even come out and look the way that he does night in and night out in these finals. He really dropped 32. Yeah, 32. Man, I'm, <laughs> I'm just so pleased that he had the games, like the game-clutching uh, finish at the rim. I'm just, just so happy for the dude. Yeah, man, I'm so happy for the dude. So I expect he, him to win tonight. I mean, he's now had two iconic NBA Finals moments, and he had the block. And he's had the alley-oop. So he had a defensive play and he had an offensive play. And they both were absolutely massive. Late in the games, helping the, the Bucks win. And you look at the Bucks, and if the Bucks do end up winning tonight, they win the finals. You look back at the block that prevented them from going down 3-1, to one, tied up the series. And then the Giannis alley-oop, when they were up 2 to make them go up 4 with under 20 seconds to go, seals the win for them to take the lead in the series for the first time. So it could not have come at a better moment for the Milwaukee Bucks, for Giannis. And I'm just like, I mean, just I'm happy for him. The guy is awesome. There, There's clips that are popping up on Twitter of him the past couple of years, you know, being nice to that girl that drew pictures of him in line and being very happy about the pictures that she drew for him, about him on Instagram Live being Giannis and being goofy and being crazy with his wife. It's just oh, awesome. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that video. It's just, oh, yeah, young Giannis, like young Giannis before the Wild. MVP. Oh my god, it's so hilarious. It's like it's not as serious as it's like become more as he's like become more of a winner. But like the early Giannis days, oh my this dude is a hoop because he's already foreign. So that just makes it more hilarious because <laughs> he has an accent and then yeah. it's just like he's speaking English and then it's just like it's just all funny, man. It's just all he's funny. just goof and he's he hasn't lost some of that childlike innocence and he's still kind of goofy and you know mm. he's not as goofy as he was in 2014, but he's still he's still Giannis. He's still got a personality. And, you know, people 
myself included, I'll raise my hand, we're criticizing him throughout the year for his play because it wasn't what we saw from MVP levels and he wasn't what he was two years ago or a year ago, but he has shown up on the biggest stage in the NBA and you have to hand it to him for doing that. He has showed up physically. He showed up as a team leader. He has shown up in the press conferences where he's giving these unbelievably in-depth answers on ego and being humble and yeah. staying in the moment. And it's incredible to watch him do this and to, to have the, the spotlight really only be on him for two weeks straight. Because you, you have Chris Paul and, and people are paying attention to Chris Paul, but he's been struggling and the Suns are losing. And it's been all Giannis. The spotlight is all on Giannis. And he has greeted it well. He has been treating it well. He's not messed up. And he's letting his personality shine. And he's someone who you just you have to root for at this point. You have to root for winning his first title. You have to root for him. But it's pretty funny how many people really aren't rooting for Giannis. Like, there are so many people not on the buck side right now. Like, people, if people want to see Chris Paul win more than they want to see Giannis win. And that's and that's fair, because I can understand that. But then it goes to a whole deeper thing that I've been, you know, reiterating for time and time again, this whole narrative that Giannis doesn't have any basketball skill. You know, mm-hmm. he's just he's just tall and can just, oh, he can only dunk. But, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there in the NBA that are tall and can dunk. You know, Rudy right. Gobert, he's pretty tall, he can dunk. <laughs> But I don't think he's leading Utah to no NBA finals no no time soon. You know, Joel Embiid, I love Joel. Love him. You know, he's great talent. Injuries, you know, they come they come along with him, you know, but he's kind of been healthy for the most part. He back in Philly as far as far as I'm concerned, you know. So it's yeah. like you got these even yo even the Joker, right? He's MVP yeah. this year. And, you know, he has all the skill in the world. There's not a pass we haven't seen the Joker make. So, you know, he's all three-level score. You know, he can score any from anywhere. He has a tremendous talent, but he can't even jump out the gym. You know, he, he barely gets off the ground. Right. And so here we are with Giannis. You know, doesn't do any of that stuff that I just mentioned, but he plays his butt off, works hard, attacks the rim at will, and he's potentially going to be the finals MVP. And I'm super excited for it. Yeah, he's I mean, he's just getting started, too. I mean, this is this is a thing where we could see him back in the finals for a couple times in the next five years, maybe even maybe. the next 10 years, <laughs> depending how that team shakes that, yeah, that Brooklyn team, you know, yeah. still a little worried. <laughs> but if we really wanted to get into it and talk about the keys for game six and obviously Giannis playing well is one of them. But we said this last week about the keys for the Bucks playing well. It's really as simple as Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday playing well. If Middleton and Holiday are playing well, getting their shots, getting their points, and Holiday's playing good defense, the Bucks are winning. It's as simple as that, and that's been the truth for the last three games in a row. We've had Chris Middleton go off late in games. He did it in game five. He had 29 points. He drew Holiday, 27 points, his best game of the series by far, 13 assists. Key and he steal. had a tremendous defensive play at the end of the game mm-hmm. to steal from Devin Booker. So... <laughs> We love Giannis, and Giannis is going to get his. He's going to get his 30. He may even get his 35. He'll get a double-double. But if Drew Holiday and Middleton are not playing up to par, if they're not hitting their shots, not playing good defense, the Bucs are going to lose. And as important as Giannis is, Middleton and Holiday playing well, that's the key for the Bucs to win game six and, and win the championship. 
<laughs> That's very true. And I need Middleton to definitely show up tomorrow alongside with Holiday. Because you're right. Oh, yeah. If those guys don't show up, then it won't even matter what type of performance that nope. the Greek freak goes out there and do unless he just miraculously just shows up and he's hitting the mid-range. <laughs> he has. He's five for six from the three-point line or something. <laughs> something crazy happens like that where it's like uncharacteristic for Giannis. Then, yeah, we're definitely going to need, you know what I'm saying, Middleton and Holiday to step up. He only shot one three in that yep, game. Oh, for one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I will tell you this is he shot in the first two games of the NBA Finals. He shot combined seven three pointers. He shot seven three pointers, made two of them. In the last three games, which they won, he's only shot six. So oh, combined, okay. Six three pointers combined, and he has made none of them. He is zero for six, but he has shot fewer threes in three games than he did in two. And in those three games, they've won. And in the two games, he shot more threes, they lost. So, and we've been talking about this correlation all playoffs. Is the fewer threes that Giannis shoots, the better the Bucks do and the higher chance they have to win. Because he's not a three-point shooter. I don't know if he's ever going to become a three-point shooter, but he's not a good three-point shooter right now. So for him to be taking a three-point shot is is bad offense. It's negative value. It's not going to do any good for the Bucks. And I think Giannis is realizing that. I think the Bucs are realizing that because he has been shooting fewer threes than in the first two games. And that's all it's going to take. That's all it's going to take. And so I'm looking forward to this game six tonight. Definitely looking forward to it. I expect I expect the Bucs to close it, to be honest with you. Dear, really? dear, listen, dear district, I think this is going to be too hype. I'm too, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm too hype. Maybe it's going it to be hype. But overall... You know what I'm saying? I I really think they can close it out. I think the role players and everybody will step up. If the Suns win, if the Suns win their first game on the road in this series, they beat the Bucs in game six, force a game seven, the game goes back to Phoenix. So if the Suns win tonight, do you think the Suns win, win the NBA championship? Oh, that's I don't know, because then it's like the heat is on for both teams. Right. Yeah. But then it's like it's a coin flip. But see, I expected Phoenix to win game five, lose game six and lose game seven. Okay. I don't really know the scenario if they come out and win this game six because their backs are against the wall. But then the tide will definitely turn if the Suns go out, win game six on the road and go back home. I don't I don't like that. I don't I would rather see the Bucks win game six and be going back to Phoenix coming off a win versus Milwaukee Lose, coming yeah. off a loss game six and going into Phoenix for game seven. I don't really like that scenario. So I really I, think the Bucks have to kind of close it out tonight. Yeah, I would agree. I if the Bucks lose, I if they lose game six, I don't see them winning the finals. I the, the, the Suns it seems like they it would take them a while because if they win game six, they clearly have figured something out with the Bucs because they played well in game five uh, statistics-wise. Yeah. Defensively, maybe not as good as they could have. But if they figure that out defensively, they clearly have figured something out. And I don't know if I trust Budenholzer to make the right adjustments into game seven. And I trust the Suns riding that momentum, going back home, playing in Phoenix for game seven after a game that the Bucs probably thought they should have won in a, in a loss to game six. It would be tough to bet on the Bucs in that scenario. It'd be tough to see the Bucs and say they're going to win game seven after losing a tough game six at home. That would be tough. So this this might be their only chance to win the NBA finals and a realistic chance if we mm. want to say that and be dramatic enough about it. <laughs> we love the drama here on Points in the Paint. Yes, we do. 
All right. You want to make some people some money? Let's try. You know, why not? Why not? Might as well. We'll go to betting corner. And the Lions are obviously out for game six between the Bucks and the Suns. And to surprising to no one, this, the, the Bucks are favorites at home. Five point favorites, minus five. Total at 222. It was at 218. Oh, the okay. 222 now. It's been it's been slowly going up and up and up. We saw 218 for game five. It went way over that. 222 now is the total, and I think this is one of the higher totals we've seen for this final series. Um, so just between the the sides and between the the over under, Zach, are you feeling anything here? Who do you love here? What do you like? Well, I would actually take the under this time because I know the over hit last game, and I listen. I told y'all. And I told Nate that I, and I I knew it, though. Like, I knew the over would hit. Like, I knew. I was wholeheartedly confident that that over would hit. 220 you were. in Phoenix. Because I just feel like out west, the pace was just – it was just going to speed up a little different. I don't, I don't know what it is about West Coast games, but it's like, you know, when they're out west, it seems like the pace just kind of goes a little faster than like versus East Coast games. And so that was something I took into account there as well as far as, you know, the game five matchup. Here coming off of that game where there wasn't too – what, how many games of rest? How many days of rest is there in between game five and six? Two maybe? What, they played Sunday? So – yeah, Saturday or Sunday and, and Monday are the two days of rest. You know, so, yeah, so I think with those two days of rest, you know, it gives more adjustments going back out into the, you know, Milwaukee. I really think the under will hit this time. I think the under will hit for 222. If it drops, even if if people start hitting the under and it even drops to maybe 221, 221 and a half, I probably still take the under. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I would probably agree with you. Um I just I think that you look at the way that they played in game five and there was no defense. There was no defense. <laughs> played. It, it, there was I think there was a stretch of, of the game where probably three or four minutes straight. Every team hit a basket there. There was no there was no shots missed. So I, I think after that game, you kind of go you go up with the over and then they they make adjustments defensively. Um, the game tightens up a lot because it's an elimination game. Suns are gone if they don't play defense. So I think we're going to see a slower pace. Both teams really playing cautiously. We're going to see a tightening up of the defense, which we didn't see in game five. So I do like the under. I really do, Um, especially with two days rest. A lot of adjustments to be made. Um, And I'm trying to look at some of these over-under stats for two days rest. Now, Phoenix, they hit the over 66% of the time on two to three days rest, which I think is really interesting. Mm. Milwaukee hits it 61% of the time. But again, these are... These are not stats for the NBA finals. So take that with a grain of salt. Both these teams are really good hitting the over on two to three days rest, but it's an elimination game in the NBA finals. So I would, I would probably lean towards the under in, in something like this. Now, sidewise, that minus five is really tough. I think it's going to be a close game. We saw four points in game five. I think the Suns keep it close. I might, I might lean towards Suns plus five if it, goes down to maybe minus four and a half, minus four for the Bucks. That's maybe when I'll start hitting Milwaukee, but it's a tough line right now. It's the the line makers have had five games. They they know this series up and back. So it's it's going to be tough to find a really good side on this one. So you remember that game with the Miami Heat when they had LeBron and like Shane Battier and like Mike Miller and I want to say even Mario Chalmers and Norris Cole and all those guys. 
Remember that one game in the NBA Finals where they were just making threes, just nonstop, just knocking down threes, Shane Battier, all those guys? I'm starting to think that's what's going to transpire for the Milwaukee Bucks in this elimination game. I think everything falls down from for them. I think they're going to be that hype. Or like, or again, maybe I'm just that hype, Ben, but I think, <laughs> I think the role players really come out and knock down some threes early and sort of put the game away early. So I think that minus five for the Bucks covers, like, easily almost. I really believe that. Interesting. I think I would maybe hit the the Bucks first first half, maybe first. I, I don't know if I would hit them first quarter because I really expected them in game three to have a really hot first quarter. Their first finals game back home after two losses, they're going to come out hot. They won that first quarter in game three and the Bucks ended up winning the game, but the Suns won the first quarter. And I think this game might have that similar type of flow, at least to start where the Suns are the team with their backs against the wall. The Bucs are going to be at home where the chance to eliminate the Suns and win the NBA Finals at home. You might have some of those jitters with the, with these players who still relatively young. These are their first finals. This is the first time they have this opportunity. You might see the Suns come out hot in quarter number one. So I may lean towards the Suns winning quarter number one and, and maybe the Bucs winning the game. But okay. if I'm, I'm I don't think I'm going to pick a side unless this line moves a little bit more towards one team or the other. But that first quarter spread, Suns plus one and a half, I, I kind of like that. I, okay. I kind of like the Suns coming out hot in the first quarter. You can even take their money line if you're feeling confident at plus 125. I can see the Suns winning the first quarter by a couple points, maybe even taking a lead like we saw in game five. Suns go up 16, and the Bucks are still able to come back and win that game. So I, I would not put it past the Suns to win quarter number one. Double-double. DeAndre Aiden, <laughs> double double Giannis. You can just come. You can just parlay both of those. I mean, that, I mean, I mean, hey, you can you can parlay both of those. That's almost a that's a guarantee if you ask me. <laughs> you can double double both of the big men in this game to get a double double. Fifteen points for Drew, Chris, uh, Middleton. That is not Paul. You could probably put down. You could probably put down 15 points for uh, Chris Paul too. It's an elimination game. Yeah. So, you know, if you're looking for that five or six same game parlay or how to do that, there's a, there's a little way. There's a few few of those right there out there. Maybe two threes from Jay Crowder or something just to, you know, spice it up a little bit. Yeah. You know. CP3 plus 120 to get a double double. He was plus 150 for game three. So. He finally got that double-double in Game 5. Didn't get a Game 3, didn't get a Game 4. Game 5 finally gets that double-double, so the odds are, are going down. But it's still plus money if you think CP3 is going to have a good game. And he could still have a good game, and the Suns could still, still lose. Still lose, yeah. <laughs> so, like, just like Game 5. <laughs> yeah, plenty, plenty of <laughs> options out there, some good plus money. We'll have to see because we'll have to see where, this, where money goes. And I'm sure by Tuesday afternoon – the, this, the line's going to move one way or the other. We'll see where the big money's going to come on. We'll see the, where the public is going to go. And in general, for games like this, you may want to fade the public. <laughs> Maybe just, just a personal thing here. If, if the public is really heavy on the Bucks spread, might want to think about maybe hitting that sun spread a little bit. If it bit. goes to five and a half or minus six, yeah, reconsider. <laughs> yes, I would 100% agree. All right, what's NBA Twitter talking about, Zach? What it do, baby? Yeah. So, NBA Twitter, actually, something surprising 
just happened, and I want to hit you with this one on the spot. Yeah. What are your thoughts of C.J. McCollum potentially going to the Lakers? In just, a, the, just the idea of it. In a trade? Sure, yeah, hop, yeah, hypothetically in a trade. I, th- I mean, that would be make the Lakers insane. They're already really good with a fully healthy LeBron and Anthony Davis, but if they added C.J. McCollum, they get that outside shooting that they need, they get that third score that they need. That would be great. If they can keep Dennis Schroeder too, that would be insane. They get they have a really good team. You get Schroeder, McCollum, AD, LeBron. Like that's that's a good team. That's a really, really good team. And I don't know what the Blazers would need to get back for him. Maybe they maybe they ask for like a sign and trade with Schroeder. I don't know, but that would be that would just be a huge win for the Lakers. They would probably be the favorites at that point over taking the Nets. Now, who on the Lakers roster currently could you sell to Portland to replace C.J. McCollum is my whole yeah, thing. that's the problem. I mean, <laughs> like, people people are always saying Kuzma and Taylor Horton Tucker. But if you're the Blazers, I, I don't know why you would take that. You're essentially going to blow up. <laughs> See, this is what I don't understand. People are always asking, what do you think of this? Or what do you think of that? Or this trade or that trade? We, we've talked about this before. If the money isn't right or the, or the pieces don't go together, it won't even work. So I don't even like the hypothetical. So CJ McCollum, the idea of him playing in a Laker uniform, sure, it's cool, but does it work or will it actually work or will it actually happen is the whole the whole thing. I don't like to have the what ifs if it can't really be done. I don't think it can really be done, right? CJ McCollum makes a lot of money. So you have to make you have to match the money that CJ McCollum makes. Number one, if you're the Lakers, you got Brian and AD on contract. Well, AD's probably going to resign. Well, I believe he did resign. So you have, so that's been taken care of. You have to trade for him, which means you have to sign someone first and then trade. So now if you're Portland, you're probably going to just blow up the whole roster, right? Because if you're going to trade <laughs> CJ McCullough and replace him with like a Kyle Kuzma, Taylor Horton Tucker, What's the point? In a Dennis Schroeder, what's the point, right? There's really no point. No, you're just going in circles at that point. You're maybe even getting slightly worse. Exactly. (laughs) There's no point for that. And it's fun. It's fun to play what if. And I know a lot of people love to do that with these big market teams. They love to do it with the Knicks. They love to do it with the Lakers because it's fun to think about that. But you have to think about the realistic possibilities here. Realistic possibilities. Like Dame going to the Knicks. Come on. Come on. What, what are we doing here, people? <laughs> What's the point? We're in the middle of the finals, and you're thinking about Damian Lillard going to the New York Knicks? Yeah, this, like, what's, man, can we focus on. on Giannis getting his championship or Chris Paul getting his championship? I'm not thinking about whether or not C.J. McCollum or – first of all, I'm not thinking about the Blazers because the Blazers are going to be the Blazers. Rip City, we like, we like Rip City. We like the Blazers, but they are what they are. You know, we, I expect them to compete at a high level, make the playoffs behind the leadership of Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. They're going to have injuries because that's what we've been accustomed to throughout mm-hmm. throughout the years with Portland. You know, they're a very good team, very solid roster, but they always have injuries and come up short. It's the narrative behind the Portland Trailblazers. And that's not a knock on them. That's just their situation. It's 30 teams in the NBA, being 32 teams in the NBA. Only one can win a championship, and only 16 can go to the playoffs. They've added a couple, 
to try to make it look, you know, with the play <laughs> yes. in. And, you know, we can break that too for what's Twitter to, uh, talking about. They're keeping the play in for next year and moving forward. But outside of that, Ben, I mean, it's like, it gets kind of ridiculous. You know, Ben Simmons going to Portland. That was one, yeah. two. And that's, that's not a smart move either for either side. It's like all these offseason scenarios, like money talks, everything else walks at the end of the day. Yep. And maybe. Zach, when we're in mid-August, late August, we got nothing to talk about. There's no news. I'm more than happy to talk about Ben Simmons going to the Portland Trailblazers for Damian Lillard and 17 first round drafts. I'm happy to talk about those rumors then. When we need the content, we got nothing else to talk about. But let's, if we're going to be talking about it in August, let's hopefully make sure that it's like realistic. There's possibility to do this. It's not just Joe Blow on Twitter saying, I've heard this from my cousin's aunt who works as a janitor in the uh, Portland Trailblazers home arena. Like, I I don't need that. I don't need that. That's nothing we need. It's not it's not worth anyone's time. But when they start to become real rumors and we have our boy Shams tweeting it out, you know, then maybe we could talk about it come August when we're looking for that content, when it's the dead of summer and uh, nothing's going on. There you go. Uh, a little bit of Team USA. That's been hitting Twitter a little bit. They've been playing, playing a little bit better. They finally got some wins. A little better in the first few games. Yeah, absolutely. So they got some wins, but now they have to deal with COVID issues or safety protocols at the very least. Um, Zach Levine in safety protocol. Bradley Beal couldn't play because of health and safety protocols. So we have to hope that this is the last they have to deal with COVID and, and hopefully everyone stays healthy because... Man, people were dropping like flies from Team USA. Yeah, and Keldon Johnson, you know, they they called him in, and he responded pretty good in his first game. He's playing good on defense. And then, look, he's playing under Popovich, right? So once I saw that, I knew, okay, that those are, you know, coach connection ties. You know, that makes sense. A lot of people were kind of upset that Trey Young wasn't selected. I don't know if you saw that, but then people were kind of upset that Trey wasn't selected for Team USA, and then he was a little upset about it. And then Isaiah Thomas kind of tipped in, you know, a little bit. It was kind of funny a little bit, you know, because he wasn't on a, you know, 92 Dream Team. So they had a little fun with that. But no, Keldon Johnson, he played pretty good, you know, in that first outing for him against Spain. And they beat Spain, but I will say this, though, and I don't know if too many people took that bet or not. But I did see that Team USA was favored, what, minus eight and a half? And they didn't cover. So I believe the score was like, what, 83-76? So I know they didn't cover. So I know I don't know two people weren't too pleased about that. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, be cover- we'll have to cover some Team USA stuff, especially for things <laughs> just around the corner. It could be a lot of fun. We could add them to betting corner. We could yeah. uh, make some money off some of these underdogs playing the uh, Team USA Team in the USA. Olympics. <laughs> could be possible. It could be a lot of fun, but I think it'll be fun to watch them play. It's it's a, it's a ragtag group of guys. It's it's not, you know, these super team USAs that we're used to seeing in the past, but it's a fun team. It's a fun, bunch of fun guys that, that seem to yeah. enjoy playing together. Dame's on the team. That's always fun. Um, Zach had a great dunk that, yep. that was shown on Twitter everywhere a couple days ago um, that he had in transition. That's a typical Zach Levine dunk. So hopefully he stays healthy. He's able to go with the team to Tokyo. Um, so we'll be covering that team, and, and hopefully good things happen, and, and gold is is in their future. But it'll be a bit of a tougher road than we're used to with Team USA, especially with the health and safety protocols and and not really big names playing because of the weirdness of these Olympics and the weirdness of the NBA season and how long into the summer it's been going. So it'll be interesting. I think it'll be more of a fun Team USA than what we're used to with people just expecting them to win gold. But hopefully they do win gold somehow, some way they find a way with this 
weird roster and you know this turnaround. We do hope they that, he, that they do win gold. We are rooting for them. I will. We will. We do want to say that we are rooting we for team. We are USA. USA for team USA. But as long as they're going for the gold, we are too. And that's going to conclude this edition of Points in the Paint podcast presented by Stadium Zach Badgerhouse and my main man Ben Wittenstein on the ones and twos here on the mic. And we want to take time and tell you we appreciate you for listening to the Points in the Paint podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever. And you'll hear from us next week.